So I had some interesting things to talk about this time. As I'm sure most of you saw, I have, uh, as, as you saw from the thumbnail, I intend to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> this is a subject that I don't really get into uh, at all on my YouTube channel. This is something I would never do on my main channel. But you know what? This is my podcast. Fuck it. I can do what I want on my podcast. So I was watching this debate between Richard Carrier and Sargon of Akkad. And it was super fascinating to watch. There were, I made some notes. So the first part I wanted to look at, let's just watch like the first few seconds of this video, see what Richard Carrier has to say. This is kind of the opening of the debate. They're kind of presenting their own feelings on this. The subject of the debate is where should social justice intersect with atheism, I think, or something like that. Okay. So let's give this a watch and and see what Richard Carrier has to say uh, as his kind of opening statements. If we do evidence-based reasoning, we find that there are these discriminatory realities. And um, they might not always be as extreme as some people say, or they might not be all the cases, but you're going to find a lot of evidence of it in a variety of different ways. And this isn't the only thing we should care about. I'm just saying that we're talking about social justice, so it's just one category of things that we can care about in terms of making the world better. Uh, it's not everything. But that's my take on where atheism and social justice meet. Now the question becomes, how critical, how evidence-based do we get? How hypocritical or are we or are we not in dealing with it? And so I think that is a valid debate about that. And I, but I don't think like chucking the whole thing is a good idea. Okay. So this is what Richard Carrier had to say about it. He's basically saying we shouldn't throw out all of social justice because social justice is basically a fact of reality. Okay, so we know that there's bias in societies. It's not about the U.S. It's not about European countries. It's, it's not like that. It's just there's bias in society, period. That's just how it is, right? So... Social justice is the idea that we want to deal with those biases. That's what he's saying. Now, there are extremists. There are extremist social justice warriors, quote-unquote, SJWs, who are trying to cause problems and doing things in a very ass-backwards way. They're trying to deplatform. They're trying to censor. Uh, you know, all of these other ugly things that are not productive. They're harmful. And they're giving it, you know, the movement a bad name, things like that. But he's saying, Richard Carrier here, he's saying we shouldn't throw out all of social justice based on those few extremists. We should criticize those extremists, uh, criticize that extremism, and work from there. Because, you know, social justice is just a fact. Like, there are, there are uh, inequalities and biases in society. That's... That's just, that's a fact. Now, how you deal with those inequalities, that's another subject we can talk about. But let's continue on and see what Sargon has to say. Okay, well, I think that the intersection between atheism and social justice is the same as the intersection between social justice and any other community that can possibly exist. Okay, uh, Richard Carrier is being, as far as I can tell, being a super chill dude giving his honest opinion on things, being real relaxed and cool and ready to chit-chat about this. Now let's see what Sargon says. It is an outright car crash, and everyone hates it, and they want you to go away. Right? He, he's almost inciting... He's, he's almost getting the crowd riled up, getting the crowd on his side and getting them wound up and, and upset almost. And I'll tell you exactly why, too. Because you're sat there going, well, I think we should be compassionate. Well, you can't make compassion compulsion. You can't... Okay, you can't make compassion compulsion. That's an interesting point. I'm going to get to that in a minute. For the moment, I'm going to move on and, and just skip to 232 because that, that you can't make compassion compulsion, that's part of Sargon's ideology, and I want to talk about that ideology and what it means and how he came to it, and how he even got famous with it in a minute. But like I said, this is an extremely detailed topic that I really enjoy looking into. I just don't feel like I can on my main channel, so I wanted to do it here. 
Okay, so this next part is Sargon uh, kind of championing this idea. It's kind of dipping his toes into race realism, which is this whole thing where, you know what, let's just be real. And then you say something like ridiculously racist and just toss out any reasons or any reasonable explanations for the things that you're about to say. Let's just hear what he has to say and, and go from there. So if you have a community where they have something like 72% single-parent households, that's a crime factory. Okay. If you have a, a neighborhood that has like 72% single-parent households, that's a crime factory. Here's his claim. He's saying that single-parent households, fa black fathers are not around for their children, and as a result of that, the black community is a train wreck and it and it's just pumping out criminals that's that is what sargon is saying and he thinks he's being real quote unquote he thinks that this is him being real and that the social justice warriors are shutting him down for saying that in reality that might be a factor like you know fathers not being there for children or something i don't even know i don't even know if the statistics he's citing are correct but that is one thing I can say with certainty. That is not the entirety of the problem. He is simplifying it to practically nothing. And it's almost like dog whistling. Like he's saying something that he knows is going to appeal to his fan base, appeal to these people who just want to keep it real and be racist. You know, that's, it's just ridiculous. Let's continue listening. I agree. That's a problem. Yes, it's amazing. Okay, if if that is a problem, if if that is part of the problem, where fathers aren't around for their children, that's something that we should address. Richard Carrier's right. Sargon's right. But I guarantee you, that's not the only thing. And and if it is a massive factor in reality, we need to find a way to address it. Not blame. Not get on these people and say, stop fucking up, get it together, and stop being fuck-ups in general. We need to find a way to rise people out of poverty, rise them out of the, these situations, because they're in the situation. Let's figure out how to make it better for everybody instead of blaming people. Yeah, yeah. Look, racism didn't cause that. Racism didn't cause that. That's, that's what Sargon is saying. Racism did not cause these issues he's trying to shirk the blame for um the for the disparity between african americans and whites generally he's trying to shirk it off onto anything except for racism he's trying to find some excuse for it that that does not involve racism where in reality there are people alive today whose grandparents were slaves there are people alive today who were f forced to be segregated from whites. People act like, oh, this was hundreds of years ago. It really was not that long ago in terms of generations. Just look at things. It really wasn't that long ago. There are people who have been heavily affected by this in their lifetimes. Jim Crow laws and everything else. This is not ancient history. Really, it's really not. And let's, let's just assume that's the case in every case, and it's not. But let's assume that it is. Now we're back to the issue of uh, social justice, poverty, and child okay, care, okay, right? Okay, wait, pause there. Because yeah. the, the people who then say, oh, this is a problem, think that racism caused that. Wait. Oh, caused, the, caused which problem now? You've the, got the, me confused. The, the, the poverty and crime. It's a contributing factor. I don't know if we know that. I don't think people say that it's... Uh, I, I, if anything, if anything, it seems that racism was a causal factor in reducing the crime and poverty in the black community. Boom. Racism was a key component in reducing poverty in the black community. Let's just... Let me rewind that and hear that again. This is just dog whistling. This is just him saying things that are going to appeal to his base. This is race realism right here. This is like... This is just, this pisses me off so much. The poverty and crime. 
It's a contributing factor. It's a contributing I don't factor. Know if we know that. I don't think people say that it's. Uh, I, I, if anything, if anything, it seems that racism was a causal factor in reducing the crime and poverty in the black community. So he's he's doing a complete reversal now. He's not just. Not only is he not trying to improve the situation, it's like he's reverting. He's regressing on a solution. It's ridiculous. All right, let me look at another part of this. Um, all right, l l let me skip forward to... I'm going to just skip right past the part where Sargon is a complete dick for no reason and talks about how Richard Carrier has like 5,000 subscribers and Sargon has 850,000. Just going to skip past it because who cares? Uh, Sargon is an idiot who thinks that subscribers mean something for some stupid reason. Not even going to bother getting into it. Let's listen to this part here. Starts at 533. You're having an impact. Let's assume I could do it. Let's assume that somehow I had a magic wand mm -hmm. that it could make social justice, like all of the actual social justice activism that's actually getting things done and is not doing the bullshit that you're talking about, yeah. doesn't endorse that ideology, and make that spread like a virus to everyone so that you get rid of all social justice extremists mm -hmm. and you just have the social justice I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's say hypothetically Sargon could wave a magic wand and get rid of all the extremists, which are a problem. They exist. We need to get rid of them. Let's say we could do that and we could keep good social justice. We could keep productive, progressive things that are actually helping people. What do you do? It would you approve that? Would you think that would be a Probably better word? No, I still will think you're procedurally incorrect. I mean, you're busy collectivizing people on race, gender, sexuality, blah, 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 blah. So you and that's anti-individualism. You still reject the idea. Okay. Anti-individualism, that's what Sargon said. A minute ago, remember I was talking about his ideology behind this. Um, his ideology is basically individualism versus collectivism, quote-unquote. Super anti-identity like identity politics and things like that. What it comes down to basically is every individual person is to blame for, for their individual decisions. He's ignoring the fact that we can look at statistics and we can see social phenomena taking place and we can get an explanation for why this thing is happening. We can understand uh, why the majority of this demographic of people are making this choice for the most part. And we can reverse that. We can fix that problem and rise that demographic up out of poverty or out of the issue that they're having. Um, he's He calls himself a classical liberal, which is basically individual versus group. Individual freedom versus group freedom or group justice, basically. It's individual freedom versus group justice. If he wants to be racist and discriminate against somebody in his hiring practices. Like if he doesn't want to hire black people, then he feels that he shouldn't have to, he, he should be able to discriminate against them if he wants. That's, that is his philosophy. I mean, that's what Sargon's philosophy is. He has just straight up said that before. Ideology, ideology of intersectionality. Yeah, yeah, no, he's talking about some really, you're talking- right. Intersectionality is not an ideology. I mean, there there are people who call themselves intersectional feminists, but and they have their own ideology. That's that's harmful. But intersectionality is just it, it's it's a social phenomena where you can look and see you have a black person and and they're also female, and they have these different biases affecting them as a result of having those two uh, qualities about them. So intersectionalism, intersectionalism is looking at how they are affected by those uh, qualities, basically, by the biases as a result of those qualities. But a really obscure, sort of elaborate, obscure. bizarre... And, and you can just kind of, you can do research papers on it and stuff. I mean, that's the idea behind intersectionalism. It's not an ideology. It's just a fact of social systems. Ideology. Obscure. Well, okay, we'll, we'll, it's I'll give not you, obscure. It's, it's widespread. I'll it's give you that. it's yeah. in my government. It's in that. your. Okay, now, all right. So he says, uh, Richard Carrier basically said, intersectionalism isn't an ideology. The ideology is this kind of weird, obscure thing that you're talking about. And Sargon just 
disintegrates, saying it's not obscure, it's a big thing. You're talking about a really obscure, sort of elaborate, obscure. bizarre ideology. Obscure. Well, okay, I'll, I'll it's give not you, obscure. It's, it's widespread. I'll give it's, you that. It's yeah. in my government. It's in your that. government. It's in it's in every university. It is everywhere. They have their own institutions within the universities to propagate diversity. It's like a religion. They have what? a priestly class. What's an they example? have activists and proselytes. They have blasphemy laws in the U.S. Yes. No. <laughs> okay, maybe not the laws in the U.S., but that's only because you have a First Amendment in every. No. No. No to all of that. What the fuck is this guy talking about? This is complete bullshit, top to bottom. There's no reality in anything that Sargon is saying right now. Look, the extremists are an issue. The extremists are an issue. I, I do not agree with deplatforming. In fact, I, I, I did do a video on deplatforming on my main channel recently. I don't believe in censorship. I don't believe in deplatforming. I don't believe in uh, shunning and all kinds of other things like that. But this is ridiculous. This guy is just, he kills me. All right, look, I'm going to stop there for the moment. Actually, there's one more thing I want to address. Uh, it's at eight minutes and one second. It, it's an, actually an extremely important piece of this. Let me, let me listen to this real quick. Because most people are very sensitive to kind of social shaming. And it really, I mean, it's... Okay, social shaming. That is something that SJWs do, and it is an issue. Social shaming is not acceptable in my eyes. Uh, or social shunning, I'm sorry. Specifically shunning or disconnecting from people for their beliefs. I, don't, I do not accept that as an option. It's a lot to push a person to the point where they say, I don't care what my peer group thinks. I mean, that is a, that is a hell of a thing to do. Um, yes, I think so. I, I think we're definitely on our way. But I mean, like, you know, mockery is a great, you know, it's always the great leveler. For anyone who comes along and seeks to declare how you have to live your life, if you, if you have the freedom to mock them and they're mockable, you should probably do it. No, 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 you shouldn't. Mocking is not helpful. Mocking is not the best way to do things. What the fuck is he talking about? Why is he advocating mocking people that is not helpful that doesn't help anybody that makes them put their guard up and and completely shut down from that moment on they're not going to listen to what you have to say suddenly the conversation is no longer productive and everybody's going to see you as the piece of shit that you are for mocking people you should not mock people that is what i've built my entire YouTube channel off of. Do not mock people. Don't harass or bully or mistreat people like Jehovah's Witnesses who come to your door. Don't release dogs on them. Don't do that shit. That's not okay. Sargon is the kind of person I would expect to release dogs on children based on the things that I've heard him say just in the past five minutes. Anyway, something else I wanted to address. Okay, so this was the anti-SJW side. This shit pisses me off a lot. All right, so we've addressed the anti-SJW side. I wanted to take a look at the, the SJW side. So there are some people, Steve Shives, famous SJW, um, and some others. Dusty Smith, you know, Cult of Dusty, he's been getting into like kind of some SJW stuff a little bit lately. And it's been a little bit concerning to me. Um, I believe in social justice. I believe, in, I, look, there are biases in society, and I hope to correct those biases, but I don't believe in doing it in crooked ways. I don't believe in discriminating against other people, other demographics, in favor of one that I, I'm trying to rise up. Um, I don't believe in censorship. I don't believe in deplatforming, those types of things. It's extremist, black and white, us versus them, in-group, out-group thinking. So let's just take a quick glance, take a gander through Dusty Smith's uh, Twitter feed and see what he has to say. The reason you shouldn't be friends with shitheads is because it's important to make them pay a social penalty for being shitheads. By continuing being friends with them, you don't make them pay this penalty, and thus they believe their actions are acceptable. Peer pressure works. No. That is not acceptable. That's not an acceptable solution, Dusty. 
that that is that is basically what amounts to shunning that's social shunning and i don't accept it i've been through that that is actually extremist behavior uh excommunicating somebody for something that they believe or so, or something that is bigotry hating somebody for an opinion that they hold that is bigotry that's the that's actually the definition of bigotry intolerance toward those who hold different opinions from oneself it's not okay when others do it it's not okay when we do it do not shun people socially for a belief that they hold. You need to work with them, talk to them, befriend them, see if maybe you can move them over on, on the issue. Do not shun them. So that's one extremist thing that I see from the quote-unquote SJW camp is social disconnection over beliefs. That That's an extremist practice. Uh, you know, he's saying a lot of things that actually I do agree with, like, if you take a look at, I don't agree with this one. So if soy face is a meme, I suggest punch face becomes a meme. I'm not saying you should punch people who make this face. I'm just saying you should want to. That's borderline encouraging violence. And I, I just do not believe in it. I mean, it's not outright inciting violence. It's just encouraging it. Shouldn't have said it, in my opinion. See, guilt by association is a term used by assholes in order to excuse their friendships with shitheads. That's an interesting, uh, that's interesting. That There's a lot to unpack there. I don't, I just do not even have the time to, but there is something to that. Uh, it's kind of interesting. So Steve Shives is growing on me. People keep comparing me to him, and I'm starting to think it's not that much of an insult. Other than the blocking, what are the reasons people hate him, hate on him so bad? Are they just smearing him like they did me, or is there something legit? Uh... I think that Steve Shives was, um, he he advocated for that whole social shunning thing, which is a big problem for me. I do not agree with that at all. Fundamentally, I think that's wrong. Uh, so that's one thing. Of course, I don't care about the blocking thing. If you want to block, then go nuts. I mean, it's your thing. If you want to delete Twitter completely, I'm not going to criticize you for it. Just delete it. Who cares? Delete it, and if you choose not to, make it private if you want. If you choose not to do that, block whoever the hell you want. Does not matter to me who you choose to block. I don't see why everybody gets all up in arms about that either, honestly. I, I've never blocked anyone in my life, but I think it's silly to get upset about it. Uh, another reason I think that they get upset about him is he was in favor of deplatforming a lot of people and he called a lot of people sexist who weren't sexist and racist who weren't racist it's kind of a black and white thinking type of thing going on with him um like i said you know i, I have no issue with the guy honestly i don't hate anybody for their beliefs period i have sympathy for people who have outrageous terrible horrific beliefs I would like to see them moved over on the issue. I don't hate anybody for anything. That's the thing. That's what separates me from SJWs and anti-SJWs really is. I'm willing to befriend anybody, talk it through with them, and see if maybe we can move them closer to rationality. I'm not going to shun anybody over anything, basically. You can't be, you can't socially shun people. That's not a good, productive way to do things. That's not helpful. That's extremist behavior. You need to talk things through with people. Potato, you don't have a couple of questions for me, do you? Yeah, we've got a couple. Sweet. Uh, so first up from Emily, she was asking, have you ever been lectured or ridiculed due to something like your 666 tattoo? My 666 tattoo is kind of obscure enough that, like, if you look at it and you don't know that it's a 666 tattoo, you can't really tell just right off the bat. Actually, you know what I'll do is I'll, I'll just put up a picture of it on the podcast real quick. Um, so for those of you watching, you can see what this is what my tattoo is based off of right here was the was this. It was, a, it was a, an album by Deicide is what it's called. It's a band. So anyway, you know, just looking at it, you can't really tell that it's a 666 unless you, you know, somebody knows what it is, but, uh, no, not really. Never been ridiculed or attacked for it or anything. 
people have kind of cringed and they've been like, wow, man, I can't believe you, you were that daring. Like, what if God's real and you just put the mark of the beast on yourself? And I'm like, what if all is real? Then we're all fucked, aren't we? So I don't know. I just don't buy the whole Pascal's wager thing. Uh, do you have another question for me? Uh, for sure. The Unconceivable Glue Man asked, do you condemn the use of the term gay to describe things as bad if they make a distinction between gay and homosexual? Do Am I okay with people using the word gay uh, as a pejorative? Is that what the question was? Yeah, essentially. Um, I I don't personally use it as a pejorative because to me it's not it's just a description of a person like if they're gay then they're gay and if they're not then they're not uh am i going to crucify and and no longer be friends with somebody for using it no my best friend says that all the time i mean i just kind of ignore it it i feel like it's a little bit extremist behavior to freak out on somebody over their language um, unless it's so completely over the top like they're getting in somebody's face and saying some really really wrong things then I don't really I I think it's black and white like there's no gray area here if you're really freaking out about every word that every person says so yeah I don't use it that way I'm not going to freak out if somebody else does did you have one more uh, sure. From PJ, PJ was asking, do you consider Judaism a cult? Um, there are a lot of different... It's like Christianity. Christianity is kind of a broad name. It's more of like a category of groups than it is a group itself, right? And as a result, I can't call Christianity a cult. It's just, it's too broad of a name. It's too broad of a title to call. I can call Jehovah's Witnesses a cult. I can call Mormonism a cult. can call Heaven's Gate cults. Those are all Christian groups. And it's the same with Judaism. It's too broad of a name. Now, just standard, run-of-the-mill, typical, your synagogue down the street Judaism. No, it's not a cult at all. Like, not even a little bit. It's super chill. You know, a lot of the time they're like, they're... They're atheists in some of these uh, synagogues. Like, I had a really good friend I worked with who's Jewish, and he's an atheist. He's just culturally Jewish, I guess. He even goes to synagogue and does all the stuff, you know, does Hanukkah and, and the whole nine yards. Super chill dude. Nothing cult-like about him or his behavior or any of that. There are, however, some... Jewish cults that that do exist. I heard that there's one in New York. Actually, my Jewish buddy that I worked with, he wanted me, he suggested a Jewish cult that's, that's in New York that he wanted me to cover. I don't remember the name of it now. There are also a lot of Jewish cults in Israel, apparently, like, so they're like compounds and stuff. They live on compounds. It's a lot like the U.S. is with Christianity in some areas of Israel, apparently, where it's like super extreme. But yeah, Judaism's super chill in my experience. I mean, most Judaism. But I would be willing to say that every category of religion has some cult in it. Buddhism, there are Buddhist cults. There are Hindu cults. There are Islamic cults. There are Christian cults, Jewish cults. There are cults all over the place. But you have to drill down and get down to the group level. Um, you can't call an entire category cult it just does not make any sense most of the time so anyway first guest on the list is omega riley are you there can you hear me hello hello hey um let me ask you how many times is it i think you've been on the podcast probably like six times or something haven't you uh i think today is my third though i did call in when you're on uh, really else's show once. oh man yeah. i thought it was more than that that's we, awesome. we just end up talking a lot <laughs> right apparently so that's pretty cool well thank you for coming back on um yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're a patron, and that's why you get kicked to the top of the list, I guess, right? Yeah, I always forget that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So anyway, um, just to recap for the audience, you're a Jehovah's or you're an ex-Jehovah's Witness, right? 
Yeah, ex Jehovah's Witness ha- went to my last meeting in 2015. Really, your last meeting in 2015. Um, was that like? Were you still kind of going regularly, or was it kind of sporadic by the time you went to your last one? It wasn't my choice. I had really entirely emotionally fallen out of everything by about 2013, probably. Mm. But my mom still forced me to go to everything through 2014, and then in um, 2015 was my last convention. Right. Interesting. I actually heard that um, somebody I work with is a Jehovah's Witness, and he messaged me like I, yesterday, and he was like, hey, I'm at a Jehovah's Witness convention. He doesn't know anything about me or what I do uh, outside right. of the software stuff I do for him. It's so funny. He's like, oh, that sounds like fun. But anyways. <laughs> like fun. Yeah. Like Should we fun. give some context as to what the convention is for everyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aware? What was it like when you went to the last convention? Like, what did you do? Tell me about it. I mean, the last one I went to, I believe it was the one that they held in the Kingdom over in Seattle. Mm. And I think it was like an 11,000 person turnout, something like That's that. That's huge. Oh, it was incredible. They normally, over here, they host them in the Tacoma Dome, and we get uh, normally like 3,000 people. And then they have a um, couple of weeks that they do it. That is nuts. Yeah, I, I think that, like, I don't want to out myself where I live, but people know I live in West Virginia. So I'll just say that I had conventions at various times in Columbus, Ohio, and in the capital of West Virginia, Charleston, uh, at, at points in my life. I think we got like 3,000, 4,000 at the district convention, which is the three-day convention, the big one every year. But I lived in Atlanta, Georgia for a while. We got 10,000 at that one. It was so crazy. Let me ask you this. When you were going to the conventions when you were little, did you ever, did you have the, like the vendors outside selling like little fans and binoculars and stuff? Maybe. I No, I never actually put it together, but I noticed that everyone, like, everyone there had, like, a little, like, paper fan or something, one of those little tiny motor things Yeah, going. So maybe they were selling them nearby. Was that or they just wouldn't picked them up at the dollar store? I know we did that once or twice. Oh, man. I remember, like, I lived in Connecticut for a while, and we had our district conventions when I was, like, six, seven, eight years old in Rhode Island, and there was, like, this giant american flag hanging from the ceiling of this uh convention center and they could not take it down they couldn't remove it and it was the only convention center that would fit everybody in that area so they had no choice but to hold it there it was crazy (laughs) that's funny yeah i could not even believe it was like you know such a scandal but outside of that convention they had vendors that were selling little motorized fans and binoculars and i just it was like going on vacation almost like we'd get a hotel and we you know there'd be like a swimming pool there we'd get the hotel for like three days and we'd have these little fans it was actually fun like i honestly kind of enjoyed going to the conventions at the time i didn't like sitting there through the boring sermons all day but it was kind of an entertaining trip you know Oh, I totally understand that. I know it was one of the um one of the few times I got to see my extended family because, oh my God, my entire family tree is hitting it, and mm. now I just don't talk to anyone. But really? Are they all Jehovah's Witness? Um, all on my mom's side, yeah. Uh, pretty much everyone I can immediately think of was. I have like a couple of aunts and uncles who didn't buy into it, but mm. other than that, uh, all my grandfather's uncles on his side, and then, uh my grandmother on my mom's side mm. what about your dad is your dad and and his side uh, not or? yeah my dad uh his parents are in it mm. but i don't believe that he currently is i i don't know i have i haven't talked to him in a long time mm. it's i have a lot of stuff going on with him that i won't get into on this i hear you yeah i, I understand yeah. actually but i, I all mm. i can say on that is i totally identify with how i know you talked about your father in yeah, a couple of yeah, yeah. episodes kind of sucks so but yeah I, i'm definitely with you on that uh somebody's yeah. actually asking like is it like comic-con convention or something else let me just tell you it's it's kind of like you you rent out a big arena and there's like big seating and everything else just all over the place right 
and you go into the arena and it's just all Jehovah's Witnesses everywhere. It's organized by Jehovah's Witnesses. They will buy out the vendor locations inside the building, or they did at mine anyways, because they don't want vendors in there that are not Jehovah's Witnesses. And so that makes it even more expensive. You got name tags that everybody wears. It says Jehovah's Witness, you know, put your name on there and everything else. And you basically sit there. They have a like a schedule, a program, and they have a one-day convention, a two-day convention, and a three-day convention. It's I think it's for like the circuit and the district and the tri-state area or something like that. I don't even remember now, but I think I think the conventions are tri-state, and then there were the assemblies out of the circuit. Right. So, uh, so anyways, they have like single day, two day and three day, and they have schedules and this is when people get baptized. So they'll have like hour long sermons from various people and then they'll take a break and then they'll do another sermon and they'll do like, uh, they'll do the baptisms and they'll have a drama on one of the days where they act things out or they, or they used to do that. I understand now they just play video clips or something, but yeah. It, you know, it's boring as shit for the most part, like sitting there, like falling asleep in your freaking hands because it's like hours and hours of just droning on. But, you know, you still get to see, like you said, your your extended family, you get to see your friends and you, you get to eat lunch there with like your packed lunch and everything. It's just like kind of fun in its own little weird way, I guess. I don't know. It's like a nice kind of get together. The issue is you just got to sit through eight hours plus of religious ranting all day. Yep. Yep. And and you're... it was always in summer and with 11,000 people in one area. Oh my dear Lord. That got so horribly yep. hot. Yep. That's why they sold like the, the fans and stuff all over the place. Yeah. I remember crafting little paper fans out of my notebook paper and stuff. God. Oh, I'm sure everyone did that. Yeah. And <laughs> At a certain age, you were expected to take notes. I don't know if you did this too, but I would sit there and take <laughs> notes. Like I, I actually learned uh, special ways of taking notes with like shorthand writing and stuff because uh, I was writing so quickly f to keep up with them and stuff. But oh yeah, um, did oh, you man, ever? Yeah. I never, uh, hmm? I never took good notes. Really? Oh my god! Um, I. I you know, a friend of mine and I actually we we sat up in like the the top section, like way up in the nosebleed section, and we watched uh, Family Guy on his PSP, like one of the very oh, last man. conventions I was at. And some people <laughs> saw us and just lost it. They were like, "What are you doing? You know, I know you're not spiritually strong, but you got to get get it together and all that." Oh man, yeah, it's good times. Yeah, I remember I got a. I got a talking to because one time I was talking with my cousin how we were talking about an episode of South Park. Oh, God. Yeah, that was That's um, a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> not a good one. I never did I remember, watch uh, it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a good show. Mm. Um, Yeah, no, I got talking to him. It's like I mentioned it to someone I worked with and then they said they wouldn't even watch a Cheryl. This is someone of the world telling me that they okay. wouldn't do that. I was like, oh, jeez. God, that's <laughs> so bad. Um, I remember at one point I sat down, like, on the floor. Like, they had the, you know, the seats all around like oh, yeah. an arena does. But then they have the seats on the floor for, like, the handicap section. And I would sit down there with the sign language people and learn sign language. Like, somebody would sign the entire thing to people and... So that, you know, I didn't learn Spanish, oh, but I did awesome. learn sign language. Yeah, it was kind of one useful skill I got, but yeah. did you ever, like, learn Spanish or any of that? Uh, No, I took, like, a couple of weeks of Italian. I managed to gleam one whole sentence that I can still speak. Oh, you're a bad Jehovah's Witness. I can't believe you. Shame on you. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty interesting. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me again. Uh, maybe we'll see you another time, okay? Yeah, man, I always appreciate you having me. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Yeah, good times. I don't know. Like, the conventions were entertaining in their own way, or parts of it was entertaining, or were entertaining. But, yeah, it was still, like, super just dry and boring sitting through that stuff. But, uh, I don't know. Part of me kind of misses it. So, anyways, uh, next person on the list is Adjimico's4064. Hey. Uh, are you there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I can indeed. How's it going? Okay. I was muted myself. I was trying to get into the settings. Oh, okay. That's fine. So, uh, 
Yeah, what's going on? Like, I, I've seen you around a little bit, but you've never been on the podcast, right? No, I have not. What religion were you originally? Are you still religious, or? So I was baptized Methodist. Okay. But I, when I went to first going to church, I was went to a church of Nazarene when I was like five years old. Really? No. What their whole thing is? They were just very strict. But, uh, yeah. I, I I think the only thing I know is like I've heard that there's a thing about not that they were like they don't dance. I've and... I've actually heard of them too. Uh, in fact, I think I did a video on them then, forever ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I don't even follow any of that. And then of course, then it went to Pentecostal when I with my mother, mm. and then when I was 12 years old, and that was weird. You went Pentecostal, then, you say? Yes, and then it, then when I went to school in the in the well, I had a very jump around. I even went to like went to uh, stepped into a church of I was Catholic in the Philippines when I was fourteen. Really? Okay. You were Catholic yeah. for how long? Not no, very no, long, no. I guess. No, no, no. I just went. I just went to church one. Oh, okay. Went to a Catholic church. Right, got you. That's it. Was that the last church that you ended up going to, or did you go to more after that? So the last church I've gone to was a Methodist church when I was in high school. Okay. Is that where you got baptized? Yes. Interesting. Do you still believe it? No. Okay. I'm agnostic now. Okay. And I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. Just prefer to say is you know i kind of would kind of try to live a humble life and say it's better to just say i don't know yeah yeah sure i'm with you that's really interesting so do you have like memories of any kind of like tell me about growing up in a religious environment like what was it that kind of got you to go to pentecostal and then catholic and then eventually methodist When I was in the church in Nazarene, everything mm. was like, neither of my parents were very strict about the religion. Mm. And I was kind of like, I just went to church on Sunday and I just memorized Bible verses and, you know, everything was fine. And then my mother went to the, um, started going to the Pentecostal church and she started slamming it down me and telling me that if I, you know, wasn't going, wasn't doing it, I was going to go to hell. Mm. And so that started being like, you know, I had dirty started taking my free will away from actually going to it. And yeah. then it just started pushing me away from it. And then I started just questioning, like, you know, the whole system on, like, it's all that I, re- like. So it came down to when I was in the Philippines, I started seeing uh, effects of, like, just poverty over there and knowing that how much money it's sent by our United States government, Mm -hmm. how it doesn't help anyone. And there's just political despots that have been there since the country's founding. Right. And so I just, so I started questioning all of that on the whole system of just how religion and government's all just for based on controlling everyone. Yep. And so it's just, just kind of opened up from there. Like you just kind of started to realize it from that point, I guess. That all of all, that all of religion, yeah, all religion is just based on control. Yep, controlling this the, uh, the populace. Yeah, and I I've definitely seen a lot of that too. Actually, I've I've talked about Methodists, and I've talked about them as being reasonably moderate. It's interesting yes. that you ended up like they were very moderate. I, I, yes, and that's another thing is they were moderate, and they like most of them went like uh, in that area though became more moderate. Mm. They used to be very strict, like uh, but they're like had a bell choir still, but right. the actual members of them so were very moderate. Mm-hmm. So the actual service was very like, I guess conservative, but the but the people weren't members. as much. Yes, right. That yes. makes sense. I'm wondering what it was that kind of got you to kind of walk away yeah, well, from it for the most part. It was just more of everyone was just, you know, pushing it on me. Mm. 
saying that if I wasn't going to do it, that, you know, it's just a whole system of control, just, you know, that, you know, that was that uh, God, they say that God gave us free will. And of course, all of the systems are just trying to control everyone. Yeah. And they want, you know, and it's like, even why does, why would they, why does God need money if he's omnipotent? Right. Why does God need anything? Why does, if he's omnipotent, why do, and if, if God's omnipotent, our human, like, he created our minds, and if he's omnipotent, we wouldn't even be able to, to comprehend the fact he exists. Right. And people, it's just like, everything contradicts itself. It does, it, yeah. Actually, I don't know if you've seen this before. Have you ever heard of, like, the, I think it's called the Skeptics Annotated Bible? Does that sound familiar? I've heard of it. It's pretty cool, actually. Uh, I think I talked about this last podcast, too, but there's, like, this website called bibviz.com, and it's got, like, lines drawn between the verses of the Bible, like, for every contradiction in the Bible. It's got, like, thousands and thousands. It's insane. Uh, um, my my girlfriend uh, was telling me about. I was talk was talking about this web that website earlier. Yeah, it's super they, awesome. And sent it to someone because they sent her something on Facebook, and it was like a live po- live stream of some uh, service that was going on today. Okay, freaking religious <laughs> BS. That's pretty funny though. That's awesome. Your girlfriend is uh, who's your girlfriend again? 29. Awesome. Yes, 29. Yeah, 29's been around for, like, a long time. I think she's been here on the server since, like... She said, like, over a year. Yeah, over a year. I think it's, like, February of last year or something like that. She's drawn me a lot of artwork. It's been pretty awesome, so I appreciate her coming on. And I'm glad you're here, too. That's pretty cool, too. Uh, So, anyway. Yeah, so we both... Yeah, we're both from Alaska, so... How is it there? Today it's sunny. Yesterday it was pouring rain where I'm at. Right. Uh, let me ask you this. In the area that you are in, does it, like, stay light outside for longer than usual? Or is that one of the areas in Alaska? Or Yes. Uh, well, that's that's majority of the state when summer comes. Summer well, comes around. How do you deal with that? So it, it's like... Blackout. You, you, you buy blackout curtains for your windows. What is for your bedrooms? I assume that that means that during the winter it's dark most of the time, right? Yeah. How do you deal with the darkness? Have bright lights and. Is it hard? Like, do you ever have have a problem with like just being in the dark all the time, like not seeing the sun or anything? I play a lot of play play a lot of video games during the winter. Right. That keeps your mind occupied, I guess. And then during the summer, I just get it at super excess of sun and outdoors. Mm. Just because there's so much of it that, it, you know, there's sun's up all the time. Yeah. I know I that um, I have, I don't know, like, it, it, there have been times in the winter here where it's, like, dark. It gets dark at, like, 4 or 5 p.m. Oh, no, or something I, like that, you that's know? what it's saying is in it's winters are hard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can't even imagine going through something like that. Like, I would freak out. I guess I'd have to have like lamps on all the time and stuff. It would, it would pretty. Yeah, I, I, I sleep a lot through the winter. Mm. Hibernate. Yeah, almost. there you go. That's actually probably the best way to do it. I imagine to to try that out. But anyway, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. It's been an interesting conversation. And I'm sure I'll see you around the server. Okay. Yep. Talk to you later. All right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I I don't know. I've had a lot of issues with, like, sometimes I stay up until 4 in the morning working. I really get my most, I get most of my work done at night. Like, between, I usually start work around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and then, and I just work straight through until I'm done. Sometimes I finish at 10 p.m., sometimes it's 2 a.m., sometimes it's 4 a.m. And if that's the case... Usually Kylie will get me up in like on the weekend in the morning at like ten thirty. She'll wake me up, and um, she's like ten now. She just does her own thing pretty much, and so from ten thirty until like four thirty is the only sunlight I get, and it just kind of drives me insane sometimes. It's really hard to deal with. 
But anyway, uh, so then the very last person I want to get tonight was TJ Merlot. Are you there? Can you hear me? Me? Yes, I can. How's it going? Not too bad. So we have talked before, haven't we? Yeah, there was one time I was lurking on the server and you happened to be on, so I waited for you to pop on and sorry, I waited for a bit and then we got to talking. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So just, uh, of course, for the audience, because they don't know the information, but what religion were you originally? You, ex-Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yeah. um, I've been out for, oh, fuck, I, I used to remember the day that I got, I, I got officially disfellow, uh, disassociated uh, in November 2017. Okay, so tell me about, like, what was the thing that got you disassociated or that, that made you realize that? Because you said disassociated, not disfellowshipped, right? So they didn't kick you out. You left. Well, yes and no. I mean, you know, I realized that it was bullshit, but mm -hmm. it was, you know, it, it was one thing to mentally detach myself from it, but it was another thing to what was you know, how I was feeling because you know how it is. If the moment you speak up against them, you're out. Yeah. I definitely know exactly what you mean. So is that what ended up happening with you was you kind of spoke out against it and they, they didn't like that or. I, I uh, confided in someone who I thought I could trust. Um, she blabbed to her parents who mm. blabbed to my mother. And when my mum she called me and, uh, when she rang me, I, I, I was done running. I, I just, you know, you can only live a life for so long, mate. You know, at yeah. some point, you, you you keep running, and then one day you just get tired. You run out of breath. So I thought, yeah. enough's enough. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's the thing about this religion is that they like, they chase you down sometimes. Like they send elders after you to figure out what you're doing they'll go knocking on your door to ask questions and stuff it's like almost creepy but you you know you put it succinctly like you're almost running is what it is and at a certain point you just don't want to hide that anymore i can totally get on board with that i i definitely know what you mean so eventually, eventually you just give up i mean fuck i and it was pretty bad for me because at the time you know being a young single male in his 20s I was a prime candidate. I knew one of the elders approached me and said, hey, we've been thinking about promoting you to be a ministerial servant. And that I knew I knew that this train wreck was going to happen at some point. I knew this was inevitable. Right. So they were trying to they were trying to make you a ministerial servant, huh? And you didn't believe it at the time? Fuck no, I didn't. I didn't. But I was well mentally. I was well and truly out of the religion by that point but i was still physically in um you know and i remember thinking you know because when you live a lie you kind of you do you do wind up thinking where the fuck does this end like how far am i going to let this go before before you, you just know, come before clean. it all falls apart yeah how could i have let this gone i mean was i going to wait till i got promoted there was i going to elder marriage with children where, where does it end yeah you know? That is so. That is such a clear glimpse into the mindset. Like that's so fascinating. So, like, what was the thing that kind of got you to leave? What was the thing that made you realize it was BS? Oh, I'm always a bit. Like, I, even as a even as a kid, I always had an interest in like science and history, and um, I noticed there were inconsistencies with the. Uh, with a lot of their publications, particularly the creation book and with what actual science and uh, his or what historians would actually say on various matters and what yeah, have you. Yeah. And because you know how it is, we were both conditioned to that out and to just trust in the governing body and, and the organization. But eventually I thought, well, if they really are right, the facts should be on my side. Right. Turns out they, as you, as you knew well, well and truly before me, you found out that that's not the case. Right. Um, have to be protected, mate. You know, the, the truth is, well, that's just it. The truth is always going to be found out in one way. Yes. That's super fascinating, man. 
I actually have a copy of the their old blue book. What what's it called? Uh, How did life get here by evolution or creation or something like that? Do you remember that oh, book? Fuck me, dead. Do I remember that? Yeah, book? that was the grueling read. Yes, it Ugh. was. I I actually bought a copy of it on Amazon to add to my collection of books, just because you know, it's that book. You know, Richard Dawkins actually. Uh, like debunked that in the atheist, or I'm sorry, in the God delusion, in his book the God um, delusion. Well, what was funny was he, because he was misquoted. I, I think it was your video actually mm -hmm. that pointed out the yeah that misquotation. Yeah. Um, but I, I even remember reading through that, thinking, "Hang on, these someone in whoever wrote this book, they've gone through Richard Dawkins' book. They've gone through the uh, the Origin of Species." If they can go through it and still come out as, you know, believing in Jehovah, why can't I? Right. So, yeah, exactly. It, so I thought I'd, I had nothing to lose, so I thought. It's really genuinely fascinating to me that they actually have people who wrote that book. I mean, I read through it, and it's almost like... It seems like they knew what they were talking about, but they were like twisting it around to to be something completely different. Like they they totally misquoted people. So obviously they read the the quotes that these people said in the first place and twisted it around. How do you read these people's books and and get these quotes in the first place and still make it out of Jehovah's Witness? It genuinely blows my mind, you know? I don't, well, I think they came at it from a biased angle because I think you and I, we genuinely had a search. Sorry, uh, we genuinely wanted to search for the truth. Yeah. So I think they came at it thinking, instead of thinking, how can I learn something? They thought, how can I continue to prove that? I mean, you know, you've got it with, especially when you're in such a high level like they would be. Yeah. So. I yeah that that's the only explanation I could I could have. That's um, pretty true. Um, but by the way, on another note, you don't watch Lloyd Evans' channel, do you? Did you hear about the whole Bottlegate situation? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and it, the thing was, I'm pretty sure that was released on April first, and I remember thinking, "Fuck off, this is going right? to be a joke." But no, nope, that's him. That's and, and the it best is. thing was, it was of all people to happen to, it was the most pretentious yep. fucking. I just member of that group. I was just, I, mean, I, I, just I, I haven't laughed so hard in a long time. Ah, oh, that was. I know too, it was awesome. Yeah, for people who don't know, basically the a member of the governing body, Tony Morris, the biggest sack of shit on the governing body, in my opinion, was found in a liquor store buying like eight hundred and fifty dollars worth of like top shelf liquor or something like that. Uh, it was camera. it was top shelf it was top shelf whiskey and he was busted loading that into his Cadillac. Mm. But what was even funnier was that the liquor store that he was buying from that was a good twenty odd minutes away from their uh, headquarters. Warwick, uh headquarters. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. So he went and this was at eleven in the morning on a Sunday. So he went. That's. That's a pretty long drive at 11 a.m. on a Sunday. I mean, especially for a, you know, high and mighty governing body member. And he was pro I imagine he was supposed to be in a meeting. Like, I know my meetings were always 10 a.m. to noon on Sunday. I'm surprised. Maybe he did it at, during the meeting times on purpose so he wouldn't be spotted by a Jehovah's Witness or something. I don't know. Well, that is one very plausible idea. Um, having said that, though, uh, unlucky for him that the per that someone who happened to be an ex-Jehovah's Witness spotted him and filmed him. I mean, no. yeah, I mean, because that, that's the only problem with those guys is that they are in a celebrity status. They yep. are recognized, and especially Tony, he's recognized by his face and by his voice. He's got yep. a very distinctive voice about him so he's he can't hide from something like if i showed that to a jehovah's witness assuming they'd bother to watch they wouldn't be able to deny it right i mean being, it's just right out you there know. yeah 
it, it is blatantly there for everyone to see. And it, uh, even if we were to ridiculously assume that he was buying liquor for several other people and not just himself, is that a really good look for, you know, oh what is meant God, to be? Oh, my God, it's so bad. Well, well, here's the thing. And for those of you who aren't, for those who don't know, the governing body, they're more than just the someone higher up. We are meant to look at them as angels walking on earth. Yeah. Because that's what, kind of what they are. They're one of the 144,000, and they are passing... I mean, they're prophets, basically. They're passing instructions down from Jehovah to us, right? That's how it's perceived. It's meant yeah. to be like this spiritual trickle-down effect. Yeah. And we're meant to get it all from these guys. You know, Mr. Don't wear tie pants and all, oh and don't donate your... Don't spend 50 cents on an ice cream because I need it for my liquor fund. Right? It's, oh, yeah. man. Like, the, I think the, the thing that gets me the most about Tony Morris is the fact that he wasn't a Jehovah's Witness from the start. He joined later, but he was in, he was in Vietnam, like a medic in the Vietnam War. And he talks about, in some of his talks, he talks about, like, seeing humans like burning like he said something like they look like have you ever been cooking a hot dog on a grill and it splits open well that's what it's going to be like in armageddon for people have you ever seen a deer mangled on the side of the road you think that's disturbing just wait until you see humans like that i was like holy shit this dude i cannot believe he's saying this in front of like all of these people it's mind-blowing but to be well, to be fair, he was probably a little bit. Anyone that went to Vietnam, you know, medical soldier yeah. was a li came back a little bit fucked. Up, oh, they so. did. They totally did. Yeah, it's still Seems like this is the kind of headspace this guy is in, though. You know, it's like well, disturbing. But, yeah, and the way he talks about it, it's almost like he is uh, just itching for, as Christopher Hitchens referred to as the ultimate final solution because mm. that's what it is that's what armageddon is and they can't wait for it they are just so keen to see all of these people all these quote-unquote wicked people getting slaughtered in the yep. masses yeah in fact they're they're the ones that are going to do it like the governing body members because they're anointed so anointed people are supposed to be raptured to heaven given a sword and then sent on their way to start murdering people who aren't jehovah's witnesses so they're kind of excited for that almost, you know? How's this for a disturbing thought? Imagine if the guy, imagine if it does happen and the one that happens to kill you is Stephen Lett and he has that massive grin on his oh, face God. that he always has. What a dark. creep, yeah. man. What a, oh, that'd be a horrifying thing to look at just before you die. Well, it's like, I don't know if you've seen, I was just looking at like John Cedar, or I'm sorry, Lloyd Evans Teespring the other day, and he has a shirt that says Young Wands, because that's kind of Stephen Lett's thing. You know, he says Young Wands. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. Like, he's got some clever shirts, man. I'm kind of jealous I didn't come up with that stuff. But... <laughs> Oh, hang on, oh, there, there was one uh, that I saw ages ago. Well, not a shirt, but like there was a quote that Garrett Loach mm. said. Um, he said in a deposition about uh, about him that the Watchtower doesn't control me or any, or oh, any yeah. shit like that. It was, it was something like that. Have you seen that? Yes, I have seen that. It was something like... There's an idea for a print. Yeah, that is a good idea. He said some. You know, I should probably write that down. I think he said something like... Um, they split Watchtower Society and Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses into two different groups, and then they put, like, the... in with the uh, Watchtower Society, and then the governing body members basically disconnected themselves from the Watchtower Society so that they couldn't be compelled to turn records over. And the court just saw straight through it when he said... The Watchtower Society doesn't control me and all of that. They saw straight through it and they were like, we're, I'm sorry, we're court ordering you to come anyways. I don't give a shit. It's pretty funny. It could You could use that as a print because, you know, in that context for us, it's, uh, well, you know, we're not controlled in another way. Um, right. Although I found it funny in one broadcast, Garrett Loach did say, you know, to beware of what's on the internet, you know, uh -huh. it might be a misquotation and shit like that. But it's like, well... 
okay, even with that in mind, how can you sit there and say that with a straight face, given that the creation book has been not only debunked, but shown where you guys have been quote mining? Yep. At a ridiculous uh, scale. Yeah. I, I mean, I, the lack of self awareness on that guy, it just pisses me off. I know. I know. Me too. I would seriously, I don't know. I just love doing videos on Jehovah's Witnesses. It's like one of my favorite subjects, but I feel like I've been focusing in on them too much. So I'm trying to kind of go to other subjects, but that's always going to be my base Jehovah's Witness videos, you know? Gotta love that it's stuff. What we. It's what we know best, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. We we grew up with that. We know at first hand how scarring it all is, you know. And you know, and we also know the nitty gritty too, you know, the day to day life of a and the very process that's involved in being uh, you know, kicked out of the organization and the shunning that comes from it. Yep. So and it's I something mean, it's, that you, you can't really get like I, I was never a Mormon and as a result I don't really get Mormon culture like I do Jehovah's Witness culture, you know? Well, I mean that's like um uh my therapist for instance, he's from Iran and uh he doesn't understand Jehovah's Witnesses because he well, he never was one and didn't have so much to do with them. But yeah. in his country he grew up with predominantly Muslims. So that's the thing that he's more familiar with. He's been helpful towards me, but that's, you know, it, it's basically, you're more of an expert in what you grew up with. Yeah, so you know, sure. that, that can't be helped. So, so don't worry about it. So don't worry about Right. Yeah. That's always my base. I'll always go back to that. But anyway, we are 10 minutes over. I appreciate you talking to me. It's been super interesting. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you around though. Okay. Oh, I'll speak to you again sometime, mate. Yep. Later on. It's super interesting conversation. It's kind of a shame that I had to bring it to an end, but ugh, I gotta, I gotta get some work done. It, it's really cool talking to another extra of his witness, though. It's been cool talking to all of you guys. But uh, anyway, yeah, appreciate you guys coming on and talking to me once again, and I will see you next week. No, wait a minute, wait, wait. No, I'm not gonna see you next week. I'm going to be at a conference next week. I will see you. I will see you possibly on that Wednesday. I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated. Talk to you soon.